Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> um, it's lovely to see everyone's all smiley on a sunny day. It's so much nicer. It's the same at work. Everyone comes in all smiley rather than a bit grumpy. Um, so this morning we're looking again at hearing God. And this morning we're looking at hearing God through the Bible. Um, so I thought I'd just give a quick summary of what the Bible is. Um, it's a library of books effectively, written over about a thousand years for the Hebrew Bible, what's often called the Old Testament. And then there was a bit of a gap. And then about 100 years took to write the New Testament um, books. And it's God's word written in collaboration with people. And I think it's also, it's the way that God shows who he is and how he communicates with his people. So it's not a dry book. It's not a book that just needs to be left on a shelf. It's not a book that just is sitting there. Okay? This is actually the way that God communicates with us. One of the ways. And obviously we're looking at different bits and pieces over the weeks. But this is the one we're looking at this morning. Now some of it was recorded probably about three and a half thousand years ago. And it still blows my mind every time I remember that King David, who, having grown up in the church and known the stories, and you know, I've done the Sunday school thing, all the rest of it, King David was Iron Age. That actually kind of puts it a little bit more in context. The stuff we learn about in school, about Iron Age people, King David was one of those. Okay? Abraham was nomadic, his you know, Bronze Age. You know, we're talking a long, long time ago. Some of it was 2,000 years ago. Okay, that's kind of the, the spread. In English, we've got loads of translations. We've got loads of paraphrases. So find one that you can actually get together with and read that. And then just occasionally read other stuff. Because sometimes just hearing the words in a different way sometimes just shocks us out of it. So... We're going to look through a few scriptures this morning. So I've got 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is probably one I have heard thousands of times in my, in my life. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I could sit here and give you examples of bits of the Bible that will teach you and bits that will rebuke you and bits that will correct and bits that will train in righteousness. But that's kind of not the point of this verse. It's not about saying this is an exhaustive list of things that the Bible will do. It's saying it does all of these things. But the main point is that so that we can be equipped. The Bible is there to equip us for life. And that's for life in the first century and for life today. That bit hasn't changed. We are here to be equipped. That's what the Bible is for. It's equipped so that we can become like Jesus. So that we can walk with God. That we can live that servant-hearted, other-oriented, love-based life that Jesus demonstrated so well. We listen to scripture to be trained to go into life knowing personally the God who breathed that scripture. The trouble is, some of it is really hard. Some of it doesn't make any sense to modern eyes. 
certainly not to Western modern eyes. Some of it even seems to contradict itself. And that happens less when you actually look at the context for each of those passages. But it is a confusing book at times. But overall, the Bible shows us Jesus and it equips us. And we're going to look at John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. And Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And just before Jesus says this to them, they were limiting people. They were restricting people because that's what they thought scripture was teaching them. And Jesus says, no, you come to me. It's about life. It's not about restrictions. Now, the Hebrew scriptures do point to Jesus, not by name, I will grant you, but Jesus means salvation. The Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures point there constantly. And Jesus didn't complain that they were studying scriptures. And it would be pretty hypocritical of me to stand here, because I'm currently doing a theology degree, saying we shouldn't be studying it. He's not saying we shouldn't be reading it. He's not saying we shouldn't be studying it. We shouldn't be trying to understand it. But actually, they weren't listening to him. That's the point. The Bible is there to teach us and point us to Jesus. The Pharisees actually had him standing in front of them, and they wouldn't listen to him. And I have to admit, probably there's a lot of us would be exactly the same. You know, we would think we know what's going on. We think we understand it. We want to do the right thing. And we sometimes forget to listen to Jesus. Jesus knew the Hebrew Bible very well. He used it when he was tempted in Matthew 4. The devil used it to attack back and to tempt Jesus. And Jesus then replied with more scripture. And it's sometimes tempting to almost see that starting out as some sort of Bible verse slanging match backwards and forwards between them. But the thing is, Jesus always used the verses in context. The devil didn't. And I suspect that many of us have been in places where we've said something and someone's immediately come back and has used the Bible, almost weaponized against us, and said, oh, but it says there. And it's just a verse, out of context, without love. (laughs) That's never how the Bible is supposed to be used. It's to point us to Jesus. We're supposed to listen to Jesus. Another passage or another verse that we'll look at today, God's word is relational. It's living. So Hebrews 4 12 and 13. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's not a dead book. God speaks through it today. It's living if we listen to Jesus if we listen to God's spirit. And God wants to walk with us, wants to have that relational 
walk with us. There is something in the Bible for every possibility of what's going on in life. And we can sometimes say, well, it doesn't speak into this situation. But it does speak into the heart and the emotions and the feelings that are behind that situation in the same way as it did three and a half thousand years ago. And, you know, I remember being given a Gideon Bible when I was a kid. And in the front, it has a list of verses that are helpful. And whilst that's very nice, I actually don't think, and I might be controversial here, I don't think the Bible is here to be helpful. I think the Bible is there to live real life with us. So yes, I looked it up, and it, you know, and you've got people are threatening, you're feeling, you know, aggressive, people are aggressive. It points you to Psalm 27, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. And it's like, that's all very nice. And it's true. But it doesn't actually speak into the fact that sometimes we feel like, I actually do fear. I am still scared. If we look at Psalm 22, though, which Jesus used on the cross in that hardest place of all, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day and you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. And that is there because God says, that's okay to say that to me. God says, yes, this is true. This is how you're feeling at the moment. And I am still there, but I acknowledge this is how you feel. And I think that is really encouraging for us. You know, our feelings aren't wrong. Our feelings are validated in the Bible, in the biblical literature, particularly in the Psalms, but you find it in lots of other places too. And all of these writers, what they did was they brought these things, they brought those feelings to the God of the Bible who wants to relate to us through his word. And it's not here to solve our problems. The Bible is here to sit with us when we grieve. The Bible is here to allow us to shout at God when we're hurting. It's a, somewhere we can go to ask the big, honest questions. It's there to point us to Jesus. This is the Jesus who cried in front of his friend's tomb with his friends. Even though he knew he was about to resurrect Lazarus. This is about Jesus who went to a party and celebrated a wedding. All of this stuff is hearing God through the Bible. All of that is hearing God through the Bible. We don't need to understand all the details, but we do need to meet the one that's behind the writings. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that Emmaus Road thing, you know, about actually walking with him, hearing him, listening to him. So it's a bit of a theoretical type of talk in some ways. I'm now going to run through some practicalities you know, what are we looking at when we, when we read the Bible? Are we looking to see Jesus in it? 
Are we reading it with Holy Spirit? In John 16, Jesus says the Spirit will lead us into all truth. If something that we're reading doesn't look like Jesus' teachings or portrays different God from the one that Jesus displays and introduces us to, do we assume we've misunderstood Jesus or do we assume we've misunderstood the other passage and go and look at it more? What type of writing are we reading? This is a big one I think is so easy to forget. Is it history? Something for us to learn from? Not necessarily an example to follow. There's plenty of stuff in the Old Testament, particularly, which really, really do not follow. Um, Is it poetry? You know, is it literal? Poetry is not literal. It's meant to be picture language. It's what's it saying underneath. Is it prophetic? Looking to hear God's heart. Again, much picture imagery used. Is it a letter? There's loads of letters in the New Testament particularly. Who was it written to? Why was it written? What questions is it answering? All of these things make a difference to how we read it. Is it apocalyptic literature? Now, we don't have this style of literature these days. It's kind of an over-exaggerated picture language. So I have a couple of pictures. Okay, one, we have an elephant in the room. Okay? Now, everybody knows what that means when I say we have an elephant in the room. But if, if you actually thought there was genuinely an elephant in this room, we should all get out quickly. Okay? But we know what it means when I say we have an elephant in the room. Slightly drunk-looking elephant. We also have a donkey. You know, we know what, if someone sort of calls you a donkey, it's not very polite. It's a bit rude. They're not saying you're actually a beast of burden, but they're often saying you're a bit stupid. It's not a polite, nice thing to say. But again, these things have different images at different times. If you go to America, in the election cycle, apparently, these two stand for the two different main parties. Okay? Now... Those images mean different things in different times. And apocalyptic literature is like that. Each of those things has a meaning that it meant when John wrote Revelation or when Daniel wrote the book of Daniel. We have to understand that. Don't just pick those bits out. So that's just a a sort of word of warning with some pretty pictures that hopefully people remember. Another thing is to meditate on it. Take a verse or a small passage and listen. What is it saying in context? What's it saying to you? Does this make sense of what we see in Jesus? In home group and quite a number of groups who started looking at the Lectio course, just spending some time meditating on these things. Do understand the context. Read a whole chapter or a whole book. I was once in a church and they had an actor who came in and read the whole of the book of Acts. And it put the whole thing in context. That was the morning service. But actually, it really spoke to me to actually understand where that all fits. It's also, when we read the letters, look and see in Acts what the context was that that church was being written to. Um, Look at themes. Um, You can look on Bible Gateway, just put in. And I put in Shepherd earlier this week and then Rachel sent me the songs 
and we were singing The Lord's My Shepherd. So this was already in my notes. And, you know, whilst I said to someone earlier, I, I kind of feel like, yes, I know I'm speaking on hearing God, but I feel like I've not heard him much this week. And yet that's also a reminder that that is hearing God. Rachel heard from God to say the same thing, same theme. And he's going to hand some, some sheets out. We're literally got, going to have five minutes in a few minutes to um, just go through bits. But while Andy's handing those out, you know, if we're looking at a theme, so we'll take the theme of a shepherd. Um, Jesus is a good shepherd. David was a shepherd. There are parables about sheep and about shepherds. And it's good to look at these things. What do these say um, about Jesus? And what does it say about us and our relationship with him? You can look at the paper in a minute rather than now. Um, Another thing is to read what others have written and listen to them. Listen to songs. We have someone in home group who will regularly say, this is a song that has really spoken to me. And quite often there is some kind of biblical basis to that. It is God's word. Um, Look at Jesus. Listen to him. Which bits of what you're reading get under your skin? Sometimes that's God speaking to you. Talking with others. Home group's a great place to ask those questions. We've read something and it makes no sense whatsoever. Or to laugh over a misunderstanding you suddenly realise you've had. Or just to be with others listening to what God is saying. And sometimes someone else will say something about a passage and you'll go, I've just never seen that before. It didn't even strike me. And you just know that's God speaking to you. Um, and if you're not part of a home group, then speak to Esther Legbag, speak to Derek. Um, they can point you in the right direction of one of the home group leaders. So, like I say, that's a bit of a theoretical, okay, go home and do it. No? Okay. Um, so... The sheets of paper, I'd like, ideally, if we can work in groups of whatever it works out to be, three, four, two, whatever, how it works out. There are different passages on one side of the paper. And each of those have a link to sheep or shepherds somewhere in them. And on the back, it says, what does God say to you through this image of a shepherd or sheep? What do you hear of God's heart through this? What do you learn of what God's character is like? And what is your response? So at half past, um, so that's what, six, seven minutes, um, if people can sort of bring them and just pop them on the the front here, and then I'll pray, and we will be doing some communion. I will then pin them up here, and then over coffee, over lunch, people can look and actually see what are other people hearing through the Bible today today. 